Thanks for joining us for Poetry Centered, where we invite a guest poet to dive into VOCA, the University of Arizona Poetry Center's online audiovisual archive. Our guest poet selects three recordings to share, and we round out the episode by having the guest read a poem of their own. Our host for this episode is Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet, essayist, and cultural critic. His most recent book of poetry is A Fortune for Your Disaster, and his most recent essay collection is Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. Hanif shares poems by Ross Gay, Juliana Spar, and Yona Harvey that each invite listeners into rich sonic landscapes, alive with energy, repetition, rhythm, and committed attention. Hi, this is Hanif Abduraki, and I am recording from the east side of Columbus, Ohio. So the first poem I'm picking is Ross Gay's poem, To the Fig Tree on Ninth and Christian, um, which was recorded January 19th, 2017. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's really invested in Ross's work, um, particularly for how it zooms in on small moments, how even in his poems, I think, um, and his essays now, nonfiction as well, um, people tend to think about Ross's work only as tackling these large-scale issues around um, gratitude or the earth. I'm saying this in air quotes, large air quotes, the earth. Um, But I think what's most fascinating about Ross's poems and what I learned from Ross's poems is how generous he is about the small movements of people and the small movements of um, architecture around people um, and how he fits into the world he builds. And so this poem, I think, is maybe a perfect example of that. Um, I mean, I think most Ross poems are a perfect example of that, but this one has uh, so many small moving parts and small... um, small nuances that fit into the larger lives of people. And um, yeah, I I just love it a great deal. Uh, And I think it is um, celebratory in a way that uh, Ross can be celebratory, but also at the end of the celebration, there's kind of just more celebration unfurling. You know, there's, there's um, dancing and the eating of the fig is also a celebration. And so, um, I love this poem. I think all the time about how I can inject this kind of um, eagerness and excitement into my poems. And uh, Ross is someone I learned from a great deal. This is called To the Fig Tree on Ninth and Christian. And this is uh, in Philadelphia. It's a Philadelphia poem. Tumbling through the city in my mind without once looking up the racket in the lug work, probably rehearsing some stupid thing I said or did, some crime or other. The city, they say, is a lonely place until, yes, the sound of sweeping. And a woman, yes, with a broom beneath which you are now too, the canopy of a fig, its arms pulling the September sun to it. And she has a hose too, and so works hard, rinsing and scrubbing the walk, lest some poor sod slip on the silk of a fig and break his hip and not probably reach over to gobble up the perpetrator. 
The light catches the veins in her hands when I ask about the tree. They flutter in the air and she says, take as much as you can, please help me. So I load my pockets and mouth and she points to the stepladder against the wall to mean more, but I was without a sack so my meager plunder would have to suffice. And an old woman whom gravity was pulling into the earth loosed one from a low slung branch and its eye wept like hers, which she dabbed with a kerchief as she cleaved the fig with what remained of her teeth. And soon there were eight or nine people gathered beneath the tree, pointing, looking into it like a constellation. Do you see it? And I am tall and so good for these things. And a bald man even told me so when I grabbed three or four for him, reaching into the giddy throngs of yellow jackets, sugar stone, which he only pointed to smiling and rubbing his stomach. I mean, he was really rubbing his stomach. Like there was a baby in there. It was hot. His head shone while he offered recipes to the group using words which I couldn't understand. And besides, I was a little tipsy on the dance of the velvety heart rolling in my mouth, pulling me down and down into the oldest countries of my body where I ate my first fig from the hand of a man who escaped his country by swimming through the night and maybe never said more than five words to me at once, but gave me figs. And a man on his way to work hops twice to reach at last his fig, which he smiles at and calls baby. Come here, baby, he says, and blows a kiss to the tree, which everyone knows cannot grow this far north, being Mediterranean and favoring the rocky, sun-baked soils of Jordan and Sicily. But no one told the fig tree or the immigrants. There was a way the fig tree grows in groves. It wants, it seems, to hold us. Yes, I am anthropomorphizing, goddammit. I have twice in the last 30 seconds rubbed my sweaty forearm into someone else's sweaty shoulder, gleeful, eating out of each other's hands on Christian streets in Philadelphia, a city like most which has murdered its own people. This is true. We are feeding each other from a tree at the corner of Christian and Knight, strangers maybe never again. This poem is Juliana Spar's Gentle Now, Don't Add to Heartache. Uh, and she read a portion of this poem, October 23rd, 2009. But the real, and, and the portion that's read is beautiful and, you know, very worth spending time with but i would also encourage people to find the full poem and read the full poem and juliana is someone who i think has mastered the long poem um in a way that few people have because um the repetition she often utilizes repetition but makes the repetition feel new and she's often turning the eye back to something it's already seen before or turning the um the reader back to something they've already experienced but the experience feels um new and reshaped by the time it arrives to you again and i think this poem is such a great example of that um because of you know and there's section i don't you know section three of this poem is just like actually a long list of naming everything that the speaker um and their companion came across while wandering through the woods and it's just such a brilliant and warm unfurling of nature in an ecosystem and um it is in some ways difficult to read out loud um but it's so 
wonderful to take in. And so I, I really, you know, it's rare that a poem this long uh, allows me to arrive at the end really eager for more. And I feel like Juliana does that in her, she does that in her work a lot, um, but has also figured out, I think, how to um, make the political messaging or the political aims of her work um, shine through in a way that does not feel self-righteous or does not feel heavy-handed, but does feel inviting and um, kind of asks the question of the reader as, as, as to say, if you enjoyed all of this or if you feel at all moved by all of this landscape that I've, I've just let you know about, you should also know that it is under siege. Um, and I, I love how that is represented in this poem. I'm from um, this town called Chillicothe in Southern Ohio, and for years I, I you know, I moved to Hawaii, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I was writing a lot about Hawaii, and I was kind of interested in what I would write about Hawaii, and I had this, I kept wanting, to, uh, Chillicothe is one of those towns that um, has a lot of prisons in it. Um, it had a, a big paper industry, you know, the, there's no longer, paper industries don't exist in the United States. I mean, it still exists, but it doesn't, it's not the same. Um, kind of economic shape, the way it had shaped the town economically for so long, for in many ways for the worse, because the paper is very dirty. But most of that industry has moved south. Um, and so Chillicothe replaced that with prisons, and it has four prisons, including the jail. So three prisons and a jail. And it bids on them from the, the northern, richer part of the state never wants them. And so Chillicothe is always trying to get them. And it's one of those towns that has more people in prison than residents. And I kept wanting to write about it. And then I, I, I couldn't. And I think it was part of it because I, I haven't lived there since this kind of transformation into prison industrial complex town had happened. And um, this is a, a, the long story to get to why I was writing this poem. Um, in some way, which I was still trying to think about, um, about what was happening in that place in some way, or what, what, the, what it meant. So, gentle now, don't add to heartache. One, we come into the world. We come into the world and there it is. The sun is there, the brown of the river leading to the blue, and the brown of the ocean is there. Salmon and eels are there moving between the brown and the brown and the blue. The green of the land is there, elders and youngers are there, fighting and possibility and love are there and we begin to breathe. We come into the world and there it is. We come into the world without and we breathe it in. We come into the world. We come into the world and we too begin to move between the brown and the blue and the green of it. Two, we came into the world at the edge of a stream. The stream had no name, but it began from a spring and flowed down a hill into the Scioto that then flowed into the Ohio, that then flowed into the Mississippi, that then flowed into the Gulf of Mexico. The stream was a part of us, and we were a part of the stream, and we were thus part of the rivers and as part of the gulfs and the oceans. And we began to learn the stream. We looked under stones for the caddisfly larva and its adhesive, and we counted the creek chub, and we counted the slender head darter. We learned to recognize the large, upright, dense, candlelight clusters of yellowish flowers at the branch ends of the horse chestnut. And we appreciated the feathery gracefulness of the drooping but upturned branchlets of the lark. We mimic the cat-like meow, the soft quirt or quut, and the louder grating ratchet calls of the gray catbird. We put our heads together. We put our heads together with all these things, with the caddisfly larva, with the creek chub, and the slender head darter, and the, with the horse chestnut, and the large, and the gray catbird. And we put our heads together on a narrow pillow, on a stone, on a narrow stone pillow, and we talked to each other all day long because we loved. We loved the stream, and we were of the stream. 
And we couldn't help this love because we arrived at the bank of the stream and began breathing, and the stream was various and full of information, and it changed our bodies with its rotten, with its cold, with its clean, with its mucky, with fallen leaves, with its things that bite the edges of the skin, with its sand and dirt, with its pungent at moments, with its dry and prickly, with its warmth, with its mushy and moist, with its hard flat stones on the bottom, with its horizon lines of gently rolling hills, with its darkness, with its dappled light, with its cicadas buzz, and with its trills of birds. Three, this is where we learn love and where we learn depth and where we learn layers and where we learn connections between layers. And our hearts took on many things. Our hearts took on new shapes, new shapes every day as we went to the stream every day. And our hearts took on the shape of well-defined riffles and pools, clean substrates, woody debris, meandering channels, floodplains, and mature streamside forests. Our hearts took on the shape of the stream and became riffled and calmed and muddy and clean and flooded and shrunk and dry. And our hearts took on the shape of whirligigs swirling across the water. And we shaped our hearts into the sycamore trees along the side of the stream. And we let into our hearts the long, pendulous, polygamous racemes of its small green flowers. The first formed male flowers with no pistil and then the later arriving hairy ovary with its two curved stigmas. We let ourselves love the one day of the adult life of the mayflies that swarms, mates in flight, and dies all without eating. And we shaped our hearts into the water willow and into the eggs spawned in the water willow. And our hearts took on the brilliant blues, reds, and oranges, the breeding male rainbow darter. And our hearts swam to the female rainbow darter. And we poked her side with our snout as she buried herself under the gravel. And we laid upon her as she vibrated. We let leaves and algae into our hearts, and then we let the mollusk and the insects, and we let the midge larvae into our heart, and then the stonefly nymph, and then a minnow came into our heart, and then we let the blue heron fly in, and the raccoon amble by, and the snapping turtle, and the water snake also. We immersed ourselves in the shallow stream, we lied down on the rocks on our narrow pillow stone, and let the water pass over us, and our heart was bathed in glochidia and other things that attached to the flesh, and as we did this, we sang. We sang gentle now. Gentle now, club shell, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, warmouth, mayfly nymph, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, walnut, goldfish, butterfly, stripefly larva, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, purple, warty back, narrow wing, damselfly, spruce, pirate perch, three horn, warty back, sumac, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, creek heel splitter, mulberry, cranefly larva, mountain mad tom, oak, bank swallow, wabash pigtoe, damselfly larva, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, whirligig beetle larva, hickory sparrow, caddisfly larva, fluted shell, horse chestnut, warty back, white heel splitter, larch, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, stonefly nymph, dogwood, warbling vireo, sobag, elk toe, elm, marsh wren, monkey face, central mud minnow, fir, gray cheek, thrush, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, king eider, river darter, sauger, burning bush, common merganser, limpet, mayfly nymph, cedar, turkey vulture, spectacle case, flat floater, cherry, red-held hawk, don't add to heartache. Gentle now, we sang. Circle our heart in rapture and love ache. Circle our heart. Four. It was not all long lines of connection in utopia. It was a brackish stream, and it went through the field beside our house. And we let into our hearts the brackish parts of it also, some of it knowingly. We let in soda cans, and we let in cigarette butts, and we let in beer pink tampon applicators, and we let in six-pack of beer connectors, and we let in various other pieces of plastic that would travel through the stream, and some of it unknowingly. We let the runoff from agriculture, surface mines, forestry, home wastewater treatment systems, construction sites, urban yards, and roadways into our hearts. We let chloride, magnesium sulfate, manganese, iron, nitrates, aluminum, suspended solids, zinc, phosphorus, fertilizers, animal waste, oil, grease dioxins, 
heavy metals and lead go through our skin and into our tissues. We were born at the beginning of these things, at the time of chemicals combining, at the time of stream runoff. And these things were a part of us and would become more a part of us, but we did not know it yet. Still, we noticed enough to sing a lament, to sing a lament for whoever lost her elephant ear, lost her mountain mad tom, and whoever lost her butterfly, lost her hair lip sucker, and whoever lost her white cat's paw, lost her rabbit's foot, and whoever lost her monkey face, lost her speckled chub, and whoever lost her warty back, lost her ebony shell, and whoever lost her pirate perch, lost her Ohio pig toe, lost her club shell. Five. What I did not know as I sang the lament of what was becoming lost and what was already lost was how this loss would happen. I did not know that I would turn from the stream to each other. I did not know I would turn to each other, that I would turn to each other to admire the softness of each other's breasts, the folds of each other's elbows, the brightness of each other's eyes, the smoothness of each other's hair, the evenness of each other's teeth, the firm blush of each other's lips, the firm softness of each other's breasts, the fuzz of each other's calves, thighs, the rich, ripe pungency of each other's smell, all of it, each other's cheeks, legs, neck, roof of mouth, webbing between the fingers, tips of nails, and also cuticles, hair on toes, whirls on fingers, skin discolorations. I turned to each other, and snared, bewildered, I turned to each other and from the stream. I turned to each other and I began to work for the chemical factory, and I began to work for the paper mill, and I began to work for the atomic waste disposal plant, and I began to work at keeping men in jail. I turned to each other. I didn't even say goodbye, elephant ear, mountain, mad torn, butterfly, hair lip sucker, white cat's paw, rabbit's foot, monkey face, speckled chub, warty back, ebony shell, pirate perch, Ohio pig toe, club shell. I replaced what I knew of the stream with live stream total cholesterol test packets, with snuggle, emerald stream, fabric, softener, dryer sheets, with tisserand, aromatherapy, aroma stream cartridges, with filter stream, dust tamer, and streams at PC, remote control, acid stream launcher, and viral data stream. I didn't even say goodbye, elephant ear, mountain mad torn, butterfly, hair lip sucker, white cat's paw, rabbit's <coughs> foot, monkey face, speckled chub, warty back, ebony shell, pirate perch, Ohio pig toe, club shell. I put a streamlined tilt mirror in my shower and I kept a crystal serenity sphere with a winter stream view on my dresser. And I didn't even say goodbye, elephant ear, mountain mad torn, butterfly, hair lip sucker, white cat's paw, rabbit's foot, monkey face, speckled chub, warty back, ebony shell, pirate perch, Ohio pig toe, club shell. I brought a Gulf Stream blue polyester boat cover for my 14 to 16 foot V-hole fishing boats with beam widths up to 68 feet. And I talked about value stream management with men in suits over a desk. I didn't even say goodbye, elephant ear, mountain mad torn, butterfly, hair lip sucker, white cat's paw, rabbit's foot, monkey face, speckled chub, warty back, ebony shell, pirate perch, Ohio pig toe, club shell. I just turned to each other and the body parts of the other suddenly glowed with the beauty and detail that I had found once in the stream. And I put my head together on a narrow pillow and talked with each other all night long and I did not sing. I did not sing, oh, toto toy, dark, all merged together, oi. I did not sing the groaning words. I did not sing, oh, toto toy, dark, all merged together, oi. I did not sing the groaning words. I did not sing, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not sing, I see, I see. I did not sing, whoa, whoa. Yona Harvey on September 18th, 2014, read through a lot of poems, but the one that I love most and probably my favorite Yona Harvey poem is the poem Hurricane. Um, and I think Yona Harvey specifically is skilled at um, just summoning many things in the work, but um, 
is especially skilled, I think, at honing the intersection between beauty and violence or terror and affection. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of work um, written kind of about and around Hurricane Katrina. Um, but I, I love Hurricane for uh, how tender it is and how musical it is. And again, it, maybe I'm just a sucker for repetition, but this is another poem that utilizes repetition to great effect um, to build a rhythm. Uh, and I, I just love, um, I love the last section that the haunts in my pocket I'll keep to a hum. Katrina was a woman I knew. It just, for me, I like a poem that has a gentle turn at the end or reveals something at the end and then sends you on your way. And I think Yona Harvey is so skilled at that, not just in this poem, but in all of her poems. She's so good at a a slight turn, not exactly a harsh volta, but a slight volta at the end that reveals something um, that allows you to peel back the curtain on the poem in a different way before exiting it. And I just think that's really generous. was talking to these really smart undergraduate classes earlier today and I told one of the classes I would tell them the story of this poem Hurricane. Um, the thing is when you write about the mother figure in poetry uh, <laughs> eventually you have to turn that on yourself <laughs> and think about that so Hurricane is a poem that I wrote for my daughter. She was born in New Orleans. But also in Pittsburgh, there's this little small carnival that comes to town. And uh, there's a ride there that's called the Hurricane. And my daughter wanted to get on that ride. <laughs> and no one else in the family wanted to. We were like, that joint, it's rickety. I don't know if the paperwork's in order. And so when my husband and I were going back and forth about it, my daughter just put up her little hand and she said, just give me the tickets, I'll go. <laughs> and we let her. Hurricane. Four tickets left, I let her go. First born into a hurricane. I thought she escaped the floodwaters. No, but her head is empty of the drowned for now, though she took her first breath below sea level. Ah, ah, and ah, mama, let me go. She speaks what every smart child knows. To get grown, you unlatch your hands from the groan and up and up and up and up. She turns latched in the seat of a hurricane. You let your girl, what? You let your girl, what? I did so she do, I did so she do. So girl, you can ride, 
a hurricane and she do and she do and she do and she do she do make my river an ocean memorial baptist protestant birth my girl walked away from a hurricane and she do and she do and she do and she do she do take my hand a while longer the haunts in my pocket i'll keep to a hum katrina was a woman i knew when you were an infant she rained on you and she do and she do and she do and she do Though it feels inadequate, I'm going to close with a poem of my own um, that I think is in many ways in conversation with um, all of the poets I chose, um, in conversation with Ross's generosity, in conversations with, with Juliana's um, politics, in conversation with Yona's uh, tenderness and um, understanding of many modes of violence. Um, this poem's title is also its first line, so... Someone bought you into this world and someone can take you. To the moment you first felt the gallop of rain across your face and understood it to be less violent than a parent walking away from the siren of your reaching arms. America, you should know that I feel like the uninvited guest at a funeral for someone I knew well but could never bring myself to love. People have stopped asking me to smile since I surrendered the desire to write about your bullets, your blade slicing the longest journey through stolen fruit, and still, memory is a cage where only the cruelest animals survive. When Brandon's father could no longer remember the names of his children, he called out whatever leapt to mind first, the names of old enemies, the man who once held a knife to his throat in a Birmingham dive bar. A child answers to their father, calling out for someone who once wished him dead. This is love, I'm told. Answer not to what you are called, but how you are called. America, it is getting so late in the poem and we both find ourselves wanting to be turned into something better than we were when it all began. Both of us, a tapestry of longing for things we do not deserve. I have no memory of when I began waiting for storms to pass, fearing the impermanent stain of water as I might fear the intentions of a man holding a weapon in an empty glass. But maybe that memory will return when I shed the more precious ones, everyone I love, running towards the sound of my excavated voice. Thank you, Hanif, and thanks to all of you for joining us. In two weeks, come back for our next episode, hosted by Uruyon Noel. Find us on your favorite podcast app or listen on the Poetry Center's website. Poetry Centered is a project of the University of Arizona Poetry Center, home to a world-class library collection of more than 80,000 items related to contemporary poetry in English and English translation. Located on the campus of the University of Arizona in Tucson, 
The Poetry Center library and buildings are housed on the indigenous homelands of the Tohono O'odham people. Poetry Centered is supported by the work of Diana Marie Delgado, Tyler Meyer, and I'm your producer, Julie Sorstad Johnson. Explore VOCA, the Poetry Center's audiovisual archive, online at voca.arizona.edu.